This week on Blue 58, the roster is set, but apparently not quite. Ted Thompson is still out here signing free agents. What does that mean for the Packers? And can we get this season started already? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We've got a jam-packed show for you this week in advance of this week's very first game of the season. So let's dive right in with a few headlines. First and foremost, Quentin Dial is the Packers' latest free agent signing. The Packers brought Dial in for a visit this week and decided they liked what they saw. Ted Thompson inking Dial to a free agent deal uh, late Tuesday afternoon. So what does this mean for the defense? Well, they got bigger for one. Quentin Dial is a monstrous six foot five and 318 pounds. He's the biggest defensive lineman the Packers have had since Mike Pinnell left, and one of the biggest ever in Packers history. More on that later. Along with that size, he's probably going to fill in for Latroy Guyon, who left the Packers after his latest in a string of legal entanglements. He's probably going to do some of the things that that uh, Guyon did, play a little bit of nose, play a little bit of end, play a little bit of everything along the defensive line as the Packers have need. Uh, he's more versatile than some of the other linemen the Packers have let go so far this season. Christian Ringo, the guy the Packers cut to make room for Dial, a tad limited due to his size. Dial, like I said, can line up just about everywhere along the defensive front. Finally, Dial is interesting to me because he has proven experience. The Packers have shown over the past couple seasons that when the chips are down, they like to run with the guys who have a little bit more uh, demonstrated effectiveness when it comes to getting things done in the National Football League. I'm thinking of situations like Julius Peppers getting the nod over guys who have played much more throughout the season when the chips were down. Even though they were trying to limit his snap counts when the Packers needed pass rush late in games, they always turned to Julius Peppers, even if they had to use him way more than they were planning on using him. We've seen that trend sort of grow over the past couple of seasons. The Packers have been more and more likely to turn to veterans. Now they are doing it in free agency as well. I will be very interested to see how Dial plays. Uh, early on in the season and throughout the year as the Packers get him involved on their defense. Moving right along to headline number two, the Packers roster is complete for right now. Uh, the Packers do have their final 53-man roster, although we can't, we have seen that things can change a little bit, uh, even here in the first week after they've made their final 53-man roster. I would not be surprised at all if the Packers are not done yet and we see a couple more changes over the next couple of weeks. We know at least one is in the works after Geronimo Allison returns from his suspension. More on that in the second. But we've got a 53-man roster. Obviously, still some question marks remain. So where are those question marks? First, for me at least, at running back. They have four on the roster right now. Are they really going to keep four? That'll be something to watch, and I'm not sure even if they keep even if they try to keep four, all four guys are not going to get involved. We did some research last year on this sort of issue as John Crockett was a contender to make the roster uh, late in training camp last year. The short of it is it really doesn't matter who your third string running back or later really is. You're looking at a contribution as at about most, at most, of about 5% of the Packers' total offensive output for the entire season. It's not a lot. They don't play a lot. They're not active a lot. They don't get a lot of carries or receptions or anything, really. I think it's a big ask to to assume that a fourth-string running back is going to make a huge impact this season. Uh, 
Now, that could be a little bit different this year as the Packers go to those draft picks at running back. But still, I think even getting three running backs active in a given week is going to be a big ask, given how the Packers use guys like Aaron Ripkowski and Randall Cobb. Both of those guys see time at running back, too. There may not be much reason to have three active on a game day. But, you know, things could change. Uh, I also have questions at cornerback. They kept seven heading into the first week of the season. Are they really going to keep seven? I don't think so. If I was Lindsey Pipkins, I would be a little bit nervous, or somebody else, towards the bottom of that defensive back depth chart. I don't think any of them should feel terribly settled right now, and I think there could be a change in the works uh, in the relatively near future. Again, you have a lot of the same challenges you do at running back just with keeping that many. It's hard to get them all active on game days unless you really contribute a lot on special teams. Those guys towards the bottom of the depth chart in any position group are going to have a hard time staying active on Sundays. I think that's something that you could see here. On the offensive line, do we really like these backups? Probably not. Uh, I'm sure if the Packers had their druthers, they would only keep three or maybe four backup offensive linemen and just have three or four guys that they're super comfortable with as as far as backups go. This group is not that sort of situation. Uh, I don't think the Packers are super comfortable with all of their backups, and they've kept some guys at positions that that may be a little bit redundant uh, just because... uh, for one, injuries, and for a second, they don't have a lot of guys who are proven contributors. So maybe they're just saying, let's keep a lot around. And after a couple of weeks, we'll see who's standing out in practice. Uh, having Don Barkley be uh, injured to start the season makes this decision a little bit more complicated, obviously. He's going to be out at least eight weeks uh, with that injured reserve designated to return option. Um, I think he will come back after those eight weeks. But until then, the Packers... I have some serious questions at center. I feel like I'm I'm beating a dead horse saying this, but they haven't gotten any better there uh, since Don Barclay was the top backup. Now things could really get interesting if they have to go to somebody if Corey Lindsley would get hurt. Finally, my last question about this roster, who goes when Geronimo Allison comes back? I think at these three position groups that we mentioned already, there could be some questions there. Uh, Devontae Mays, Uh, could be in trouble. Lindsey Pipkins or somebody else at the bottom of the depth chart could be in trouble. Or one of these offensive linemen could be in trouble. They're going to make a move when Allison comes back because I think they like him a lot. It's just a matter of who that person is going to be. So we'll see who that is here in a couple weeks. Uh, Some other quick takeaways from the roster. Uh, As we've mentioned, proven production is turning out to beat potential on this roster. Only to a point, though. I think you see that in Ahmad Brooks versus... Uh, J. Rohn Elliott and Kyler Fackrell. Elliott leaving town and Fackrell kind of taking a back seat for the time being to a guy like Brooks, uh, even as Fackrell still is a, is a pretty young player. You also see it in, in uh, Quinton Dial versus Christian Ringo. Ringo may have a little bit more potential or may not have reached his potential yet, but Dial is more of a known quantity. They've seen him play against NFL-level competition regularly, and they feel comfortable with what he can bring them. So that's what they're going with. The flip side of that, though, is something that you see play out on the practice squad. High ceilings are beating high floors. So what I, what I'm, what I mean there is, is a lot of potential is beating a lot of promise right now or a lot of proven production right now. Uh, you see this playing out in uh, Michael Clark and D'Angelo Yancey ending up on the practice squad ahead of Christian McCaffrey, who uh, is headed out of town to, to play elsewhere. Or, or join a different practice squad. Oh, excuse me. 
Um, Clark and Yancey were not as good as McCaffrey in the preseason. They just weren't. McCaffrey was much more productive. He even gave the Packers some things on, on special teams as a punt returner. You didn't see Clark and Yancey back there at all. But the difference is that that Yancey and Clark have potential to be significantly better than McCaffrey could ever be just because of the nature of their athletic gifts. I don't have to tell you about Clark's fantastic athleticism. He's a former Division I a college basketball player. He can He can play with anybody. In, in just about any sport, apparently, Yancey as well, much better athlete overall than or than uh, uh, than McCaffrey, even though McCaffrey does have some pretty decent physical gifts. Um, so I think that's an inter- interesting takeaway there. I don't really want to talk about the quarterback situation a whole lot, other than that, if the Packers are getting to that situation where they would have to play somebody like Taysom Hill or Joe Callahan, the season is already in the dumpster already. And I know there was the exception in 2013 when the Packers went through Seneca Wallace and Scott Tolzien and then Matt Flynn before finally writing the ship. But even but if you look back to that, the Packers didn't do very well at all um, with those three in there. And had they not gotten some serious help from other teams around the league, they would have been at home uh, because of their their terrible record. That is a terrible example if you're trying to say, oh, well, look at how the season turned out with this third-string quarterback. Don't use 2013 as your example because the Packers needed so much help that season, even with the minimal contributions they got from their third-string guys. Uh, finally, uh, DeAndre, or, getting my receivers mixed up here. Finally, Malachi Dupree uh, is cut by the Packers and doesn't end up, as of right now, on a practice squad anywhere. Uh, it shows me, I guess, uh, the distorted opinion we as Packers fans get of guys who are members of the Packers. We're familiar with these players. We see them a lot. We watch them in four preseason games. Uh, we get maybe a little bit of an inflated sense of them because of how Ted Thompson values draft picks. And you assume if if he picks a player, that player is going to be at least serviceable at some level. Uh, to see Dupree, Dupree get cut and not end up on a roster anywhere is a bit of a surprise just because of the fanfare around that selection and around his physical attributes, which were impressive in their own way. Um, to not see him on a roster or a practice squad anywhere is a little bit of a surprise and, and kind of brings an abrupt end to that saga that's been rel- relatively interesting since the NFL draft. We're going to make some predictions about uh, this NFL season, but first I want to make you aware of two ways that are real easy that you can support the Packers. One is free, or not support the Packers. You do that already. Support the power sweep. One is free. One is as cheap as it could possibly be. The first one, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've been doing uh, Blue 58 now for, this is 46 episodes, and uh we still haven't cracked that review threshold that is going to get us noticed uh, on the iTunes ranking. So if you could take a couple seconds and rate us and give us a review uh, on the iTunes platform or via the podcast app uh, on your iPhone, that would be fantastic. Uh, you could also, if you would like to support the Power Sweep and Blue 58, support us via Patreon. We're asking for $1 per month to just keep the lights on uh, and increasingly host this podcast. Um, via the platform of patreon.com. It's a way that you can directly support people who are involved in creative projects that you care about. And it would mean a lot to us if you chose to give us $1 each and every month just to help us keep the lights on here at Blue 58 and the Power Sweep. A bunch of you have signed up to do that already, and it means a lot to me and to Gary, who is still working hard behind the scenes. In fact, you saw his name on the byline about the Quentin Dial story today. Uh, it would it would just mean a lot to us and it would help us continue to do the work that we're doing here 
um, on the podcast and on the website. So if you've got a couple seconds and you got some spare change laying around, go ahead and, and do both of those things. If it's just one or the other, I appreciate that just the same. We love and care for all of our readers and listeners, and, and we thank you for everything that you're doing to help support this podcast and our website. Blue 57, hut. So the 2017 season is finally here. The long night is over. The preseason is at an end. We have a final roster, and there is an actual game that counts here on the horizon. The Packers will play host to the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday at Lambeau Field. So let's make some predictions about this season. Got a couple goals for this topic as we sort through this, uh, this the very first game of the season. Uh, a couple things that I want to do and what I don't want to do. We're going to start with what I don't want to do. I don't want to make any predictions about how the team is going to do this week. We're, not, we're actually not going to do that for a couple weeks. We don't know this team very well yet. We haven't seen them play in a game that counts. We haven't seen the starters play all that much. And we don't know other teams very well yet either. We don't know what their teams are like. We don't know how they're going to perform this season there's just a lot that we don't know, and it gets a little bit silly to try to predict things uh, that you don't know a lot about. Uh, it's going to take a couple weeks around the league for us to figure out sort of the landscape of the, of the league as a whole and teams individually. So we're just going to stay away from those predictions uh, as we head towards this first game of the season, at least as far as this podcast is concerned. You may see some prediction-related stuff on the blog at some point. But as far as today goes, no predictions about how the Packers are going to do this weekend. Uh, secondly, we're not going to make predictions about how specific players are going to do statistically this this season. It's just really hard to do that accurately and confidently, especially with things like touchdowns or receptions. Touchdowns are especially fickle. Um, one guy can get 14 touchdowns one season, and that's the best year of his career. And you really have no way of predicting how those touchdowns are going to go because there's just so many factors that go into it. Same thing for things like sacks and stuff like that. There will be one exception to this statistical prediction uh, moratorium, and I will explain that a little bit more when we get to that point. Uh, what I am going to do is, is run through a couple of predictions about how the Packers are going to do as a team in terms of their success, how a couple of players are going to factor into the roster, and where the team is going to succeed and fail on a couple of, of different fronts. So if that all sounds good, we'll go ahead and jump right in with my very first prediction that the Packers will go 11-5 and five or better this year and win the NFC North. I figure 10 wins is a pretty good season and should get you to the postseason more often than not. The Packers do have what looks like a pretty tough schedule early on, especially these first two weeks. And if they get to week four and two and two, I think they're probably in pretty good shape for a push later on in the season. Provided they stay healthy, I think we're looking at a pretty strong finish and run to the playoffs. And then once you get to the playoffs, I think anybody, any anything can happen. We've seen that year in and year out with the with the Packers. And unfortunately, they've been on the the opposite side or the wrong side of the fluky stuff or, or even just the weird stuff that happens in the playoffs more often than they've, than they've been on the right side. But the real important thing is just getting to the playoffs and putting yourself in a position to benefit from some of those things. I think if you look at every team that succeeds in the postseason, you're going to, to see them have their success hinge on a couple of things that could kind of go either way. The Patriots, if, they're, if they are not the first team to admit this, 
they're they're kidding themselves because a number of their Super Bowls, and this is to take nothing away from the Patriots, a number of their Super Bowls have hinged on one or two plays that really could have gone either way. Look at the play that started the major rally that got the, the Patriots back into the game. One missed block leads to a sack and a fumble, and suddenly the Patriots are off and running uh, as they stage a furious comeback in the Super Bowl. Look at a couple years ago uh, when Seattle decides to throw inexplicably instead of run on the goal line. It, it makes no sense. Uh, they've got one of the best short yardage running backs there is. I don't have to recount the situation. You know what happened. The point is, things can hinge on uh, just a couple plays. And the real important thing is just getting to the playoffs and putting yourself in a position uh, to, to take advantage of those things. I think the Packers will do that. 11-5 and five seems like a, a good starting point for them this year. 11-5 and five or better, I must add, and, and getting to the playoffs with another NFC North title. Prediction number two, and this is where I break my rule about not predicting specific stats. I'm going to predict that Ty Montgomery is not going to rush for more than 800 yards this season. His biggest value is not so much in the yards that he, he creates, at least not on the ground uh, as a runner. His most true value is as a matchup creator. Uh, he moves around the formations. He motions from the backfield to a receiving position, from a receiving position into the backfield, and creates matchups for himself and other players as he does that. He's going to have a bigger role doing that sort of thing than just acting as a pure rusher. Uh, and, and, and creating opportunities for other people is really going to be the, the biggest and most substantial role he has this season. There's a lot of other backs on this roster to take up carries. Uh, Jamal Williams is going to get carries. Aaron Jones is going to get carries. Aaron Ripkowski is going to get carries. Aaron Rodgers is going to get carries. We're out of Aaron's, but I'm sure if there was another one in the backfield, someone else would be getting carries that's not named Ty Montgomery. That's to take nothing away from Montgomery, but more than just more just saying the Packers have other guys who are talented who are going to run the ball. 800 yards for a season is an average of 50 yards per game. Montgomery broke 50 yards rushing just three times last year out of 13 in which he could have been considered the starting running back. So he he doesn't necessarily get a lot of volume as a running back. And finally, it's worth considering that he's probably going to face some time out of the lineup because he's injured this year. Ty hasn't stayed healthy in either of the two seasons he's been in the NFL so far. He's never played running back full-time in the NFL or, or at any level as far as I know. And, and he's gotten injured even when not playing running back. Just going through that pounding is sure to create some kind of injury at some point this season, at least to the point that he gets banged up a little bit and can't stay on the field. I think 800 yards is too big of an ask for Ty Montgomery. Now, that's not to say he can't have an effective season if he's not putting up numbers. I think sometimes we get too fixated on those numbers uh, when the game really isn't about stats. The only stats that really matter uh, are points. And if Ty Montgomery is putting people in positions where they can help the Packers score, that's really the best thing he can possibly do. If the Packers are scoring points or moving the ball because of the matchups that Ty Montgomery is creating, he's doing everything the Packers need him to do, even if he's not rushing for a lot of yards. Keep that in mind this season. The third prediction I'm going to make is kind of stat-related. It's more about how a particular unit is going to perform. I am predicting the Packers will improve their rank in takeaways but decline this season in sacks. 
Last year, the Packers ranked 12th in the league in takeaways and 7th in sacks. Both pretty solid numbers, but I think we're going to see a little bit of a flip-flop in those numbers this year. I think they will get more takeaways this year due to an improved secondary and just a generally a little bit more active and athletic defense, but I'm still not sold on the pass rush. I know Ahmad Brooks is a nice pickup. Quentin Dial may help free up some opportunities for other people as well, but I'm just I'm not sold. We haven't seen enough of these guys to to really believe that uh, that they are going to turn things around or improve from where or even hold steady from where they were last year. Uh, it, it's going to take a lot to get to that rank again, and I, I just have a hard time believing that's going to happen. A little bit of a downer of a prediction, I suppose, but you know you can't be super consistent in some of those areas year to year. And I think the Packers can still have a very good defense, even if they do rank higher in takeaways and lower in sacks. My fourth prediction is that no Packers rookie is going to start more than six games this year. I don't think it's a particularly good year for rookies to make a big splash, at least in terms of playing major roles uh, on either offense or defense this year. And that could actually be a really good thing for the Packers. I think if you're making a push for the Super Bowl, and the Packers certainly are, they are most definitely pushing for the Super Bowl this year, I think you'd rather have your rookies more as something like a, a super substitute than making huge contributions as a starter. I think that allows you to, to pro- play younger guys in smaller, more focused roles than, than have them just soaking up tons of snaps. And unless you've got some real stud of a rookie, I don't think you'd ever want them to play major, major snaps uh, if you could avoid it, just because it takes a lot longer for these guys to come along and uh, and really grow into the role they have as an NFL player than we might want to admit. If the Packers can get through this season without having a rookie play a lot of snaps, it would only be a good thing for the team. If you're looking at possible exceptions to this or, or, or guys who could contend to start six or more games this season, I think you're probably looking at Kevin King or one of the running backs. If one of the running backs gets into that sort of role, I think it's probably due to an injury or two. Uh, among the running back group. But Kevin King could get there just by his level of play. We've talked at length about just how different King is from every other uh, quarterback on the roster. He's bigger and faster and longer uh, than anybody else that the backers have. That could get him into the starting lineup sooner, sooner rather than later. But I think the Packers would prefer that he not have to play a starter level snaps this year if they can avoid it. If he can just get put into a really specific role, uh, like manning up a, a, a bigger receiver or, or just shadowing a guy who's particularly athletic in, in a certain part of the field, I think they would be super happy about that. But if any of the rookies are going to play big roles this year, it's probably King or one of the running backs. Fifth and finally, not a prediction just a, a state of where the Packers are this season, a, a statement about where the Packers are this season. This year is Super Bowl or bust. The Packers have to win a Super Bowl, or I think this year is a failure. Barring a stunning injury, this is a roster that is constructed to win a Super Bowl. It's one of the best in the league, simply by nature of having Aaron Rodgers, but also due to the other acquisitions the Packers have made. Martellus Bennett, Jari Evans, Ahmad Brooks, Ricky uh, Jean-Francois, some of these draft picks that they've picked up. They're in a great position this year to to really take a step from where they were last year, and I think that makes them Super Bowl contenders. 
I won't go as far as to say that they're going to win a Super Bowl. I'm not intending to make a prediction there. But setting their sights on the Super Bowl is the lowest they can possibly go, at least getting to the Super Bowl. It should be mentioned as well that I predicted last year was, or I, I said last year was a Super Bowl or bust sort of team as well. And I still think that last year was a failure. The Packers could have and should have contended for a Super Bowl. And I guess you could argue they did contend for a Super Bowl. They were one of the final four teams uh, playing for the right to go to a Super Bowl, but they didn't get it done. I think they could have at least been as competitive with the Patriots as the Falcons were. There's really no reason to assume that they couldn't have been. Packers offense was was right up there with the Falcons at that point in the season. Their defense certainly wasn't, wasn't playing phenomenally, but the Patriots didn't have a buzzsaw sort of offense like like the uh, the Falcons did. They had a very efficient offense, and they certainly probably would have given the Packers a lot of trouble. But I think the Packers could have been competitive, and as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, you, you certainly are competitive. So last year was a bust. They didn't win the Super Bowl. It was Super Bowl or bust. Last year was a failure. I think this year is the same sort of situation. The Packers are in a Super Bowl or bust kind of year, and if they don't get it done, this year is going to be a failure, and we have to evaluate this year in light of that failure. Those are my predictions. I'm sticking to them. You can let me know what you think via Facebook or Twitter or email. I will give out that contact information in just a second. But while I've got you here, I wanted to mention this about Quentin Dial. He's a real big guy, as we mentioned up top near the start of this podcast. You may not quite have understood exactly how big, though. According to profootballreference.com, Quentin Dial is only the sixth defensive lineman in the history of the Packers who's weighed more than 315 pounds while also standing six foot five or taller. Here are the other five. Mike Pinnell, who was with the Packers from 2014 through 2016, was six foot five and weighed, according to Pro Football Reference, a svelte 363 pounds. Kendrick Allen was with the Packers in 2006. He was six foot six and 318 pounds. James Lee and Turdell Sands also were with the Packers in the early 2000s, standing 6'5", 325, and 6'7", 337, uh, respectively. And finally, back in the mid-90s during the Super Bowl years there, Darius Holland was 6'5", and weighed 330 pounds. Quentin Dial, big enough to stand among those guys and not look all that small. He's the biggest lineman the Packers have had, other than Mike Pinnell, in quite some time. That's going to about do it for this week's show. You can find us in a variety of locations, first and foremost, at thepowersweep.com. It's the easiest and best way to stay on top of what we're doing here uh, at The Power Sweep and on Blue 58. You can also find us on Facebook and on Twitter, uh, slash The Power Sweep, uh, at both of those fine websites. Go ahead and reach out to us via message or comment or tweet uh, in either of those places. We would love to hear from you. You can also make contact with us uh, via the Power Sweep 1959 at gmail.com. That is our uh, email address, and we love to correspond with listeners and readers all over the place. Go ahead and drop us a line if you think of it. We love to hear from you. Any feedback you give us helps us make the Power Sweep and Blue 58 better, and all of us smarter Packers fans, and as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I am John Meerdink, your host. I will see you next week on Blue 58, hopefully celebrating a 1-0 Packers team. But now...